Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. For sure, I think if I get to drive more and more and more, uh, for sure, you know, I'm going to feel more comfortable. I nearly told him to calm down in the end. I'm like, mate, you're making me stressed. I'm stressed enough as is. In 2014, Chaz Mostert and Paul Morris won Bathurst. The race finished at almost 6.30 and 5.2 million people were watching at the end of that race. So a quarter of the Australian population watched Chaz win that race. That's a pretty you know, compelling figure to, to drop on anybody. <laughs> From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. And welcome again to Inside Supercars, Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. Good evening. Good evening, Tony, and uh, just uh, what an interesting build-up it is to the start of the Endurance Cup. Indeed it is, and a cold one in Victoria here. As you'd be aware, there's been some testing. Some of it was uh, postponed yesterday, some of it went ahead. The Phillip Island Dunlop tyre test went ahead, while some of the uh, Winton testing was postponed by... PRA, BJR and Preston High. Um, your understanding of the test, which uh, we're lucky enough today, was that Michael Caruso on, and he's going to tell us a little bit about how the test went down at Silver Island. Mm. Yeah, generally very positive, and interesting to see that uh, Kevin Fitzsimmons is going to have some more running with the cars tuned to the tyres, whereas uh, the cars were running in their spec from the race weekend. So with a plan to tune to the tyres, it means that they will get a much better read and a lot more valuable data, it must be said, for whichever way they are going to go. But uh, um, my understanding of the uh, process is that they had more rounded tyres. At the moment, if you look at the uh, 2017 tyre, when you look across the face of the tyre, it's dead flat. It'll sit on the ground and it'll stand, you know, um, uh, 90 degrees to the ground directly upright. Whereas the 2016 tyre and what they've been trialling with the 2018 tyre is that it's got a, uh, a convexity to it, which uh, is allows the heat to dissipate differently and also doesn't allow you to um, crank on as much camber, which has contributed in some way to tyre failures. So it's going to be interesting to see if the uh, couple of different configurations are based around the sidewall and the construction of the tyre, which way they might end up going. Uh, One softer sidewall will be interesting because the softer the sidewall, the more spring it has in it. And that could cause a whole bunch of other issues, which will be very challenging for the engineers come 2018. Yeah, these tyres, aren't they a harder edge? Uh, you know, a square tyre as such. No, that that was this year's tyre, which uh, my understanding, I, speaking to Kevin previously, is no, they were going to go for a more, a more rounded tyre. But sidewalls... The 2018 tyre, um, which now, of course, we move into for Bathurst only, uh, other than Bathurst and for Kelly, maybe, um, the 2016 tyre. Yeah, and that'll be interesting to see who can respond to that the quickest. Obviously, last year you would say Red Bull had the best package on the old tyre, and is that going to mean that the Endurance Cup is going to be heavily weighted to the Red Bull uh, to the Red Bull team because they were the best last year? 
does Ludo being at DJR Team Penske mean that his corporate knowledge of what Triple Eight were doing is going to be able to transfer onto their Fords? It's going to be a fascinating little battle once we get to Bathurst and and Pukekohe because that could completely turn the uh, championship on its ear, remembering that Sandown and Bathurst, it's 300 points for one day, not 300 points for two. Yep, the next two races are very, very important ones for anybody who has serious aspirations to win this title. Um, to this end, of course, we've got uh, at Winton today, I think, at testing, um, Noble 1 HSV and uh, LDM. Uh, and then uh, Nissan, I think, and GLM are testing tomorrow. Uh, all depends on the weather, of course, um, and... Uh, Maybe they'll pull the pin and not, not do the testing of it just as cold and wet as it is now. Indeed. Anyway, up in Queensland, of course, the DJR Team Penske and the Triple Eight team will all be doing their testing. That's a, uh, getting ready for the Enduros, and it's all uh, about to un- unfold. Um, you, you were talking, I think, uh, about the uh, Enduro seats, and with an early 26 cars are now full, with the exception of. The techno number 19 car, that's still to be confirmed. And I think that'll be confirmed in the next day or so once uh, Jonathan Webbs thinks about uh, how he went at the test day. But my question is, if Jonathan Webb didn't think he was doing well at the test day, what are they going to do? Are they going to shoehorn Russell Ingle back in a car? Are they going to go to Greg Murphy? Who's going to be the heir apparent to the Jonathan Webb uh, car, remembering that Jonathan doesn't do any other driving, he's parachuting in just for these three races. So it would be an interesting question to ask: Who's the best guy out there to drive this car if it's not uh, Jonathan? Well, I'm sure we'll know by this time next week. Um, other news uh, happening around uh, the two largest uh, websites in Australia. Of course, we had last week. Fortunately, enough, Stephen Bartholomew from Supercars.com is on the show, uh, along with uh, uh, Lewis Isaac, who just recently left uh, com, And we now hear the news that Mitchell Adam is joining. Uh, Mitchell Adam uh, spent a couple of years with Autosport, one of the largest uh, international sites. He's the international editor for a number of years over there. Lovely young bloke. Coming back, returning to Australia, to Melbourne. I think he'll be based. And he's uh, coming back uh, after also time here working on Motorsport News. So that's great news to have one of our young guns and some of the journals, Tom Worsley, the uh, third member of the pack. He's uh, got an interesting move. He's joining Bridgestone in South Australia. So that's another career move uh, for one of these young blokes. Mm. I don't know. Um, did you mention Fogues is going to speak Speed Cafe? No, I didn't. I hadn't uh, picked that one up. Yep. Um, well, certainly he's, you know, pretty well the most experienced of the motorsport-only journalists. Long-time uh, newspaper journalist to Fairfax and the Australian before that. So that's great news, keeping these people involved in the sport and reporting regularly on all things supercar and beyond. Coming up after break, we'll be with Michael Caruso to trace through the history of his motorsport, how he ended up at Nissan and what he's done to get there. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. 
Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as BAT Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm David Reynolds. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. And welcome back to Inside Supercars. As we said, we're delighted to have this week Michael Caruso, GRM driver. Sorry, GRM. That was a while ago. Nissan driver for five years of number 23. Michael. G'day, how we going, guys? Well, indeed. And we'd like to start off with Michael just talking to you about your early days, where you became interested in motorsport. I know, of course, of your father, and maybe you can talk about him, but where was motorsport start day one for you? Uh, well, I can't remember the actual day, but um, my father used to race in sports at end, so long before I was uh, born, he, um, yeah, he was racing around and uh, building his own cars and um, you know, I guess wanting to live the dream of being a racing car driver. So, um, I guess once I came into the world, it was just natural that uh, you wanted to be like your dad. And I'd head out. To, uh, the first track I can remember going to was actually Amaru Park. Wow, and, right. Uh, it's, uh, that's probably the only track that I wish I could have driven on, um, you know, of all the tracks that are, you know, not with us anymore. But, um yeah, it was such a good track. It actually had a kid's park uh, located on the last corner. So um, as Dad would go race, he dropped me off in the little uh, park there that was um, sort of gated off, and uh, he'd go do his thing, and I'd watch from the swings, I guess, which was good fun. And, of course, your father wasn't only a, an enthusiastic amateur, he also earned his living in motorsport. Yeah, yeah look, he, um, he actually started out uh, before he started driving uh working on KB's uh, Formula 5000 car, and, um, and I guess that, uh, you know, that started the relationship for, for when I got into motor racing. But um, naturally, I'd, um, you know, lean on KB for, you know, I guess, advice. And, um, you know, he's obviously an extremely accomplished guy, a driver, and um, more so even than his, his ability to drive a race car, but his technical understanding is, um, you know... Something that uh, you know, I've been lucky to to adapt, uh, you know, to learn. And of course, we should make mention for those members of our audience who don't know who KB is. Although some of them, of course, in Victoria, will think he was an ex-captain of Richmond. But no, <laughs> <laughs> KB, of course, was a wonderful Kevin Bartlett, who drove some magnificent cars. I worked briefly for Kevin, um, and of course, drove Shell and Chesterfield, and McLarens and Lolas. And your father was involved in, which obviously it was before you were uh, alive um, that he had given up that sort of work on 5,000. But the relationship, you know, prospered there and you kept that going with uh, Kevin on a phone basis in recent times, I imagine. Yeah, look, KB, uh, I'm in Victoria. I'm based out of Victoria, but um, Kevin lives up in Queensland now. So, yeah, we we, we still speak a lot and, um, you know, when uh, when we can catch up when I'm in Queensland or if he's doing some, um, you know, has some racing commitments uh, down here, it's, it's always good to catch up with him. And, uh, yeah, look, he's got a such a wide range of knowledge. It's, um, uh, you know, not just on motor racing as well, which is good for me to, you know, sort of 
to learn from him, and then he's you know pretty open with me, which I'm quite um, you know quite lucky to have. And he, of course, will be coaching you on a Bathurst win because he got one of those with the wonderful Johnny Goss. Uh, oh, if I can, um, if I can really replicate half of what KB did, I'd um, I'd be yeah, extremely proud. Okay, so you're a go karter. Yes, from the beginning. Yep, started How out go karting when I was twelve years old. I was when I first started. Right. Combined districts or Sydney Car Club? Uh, no, it was combined districts. So um, yeah, we're up. We're up at Lithgow quite a bit, which was good. It's a bit of a drive, but um, good little track there. And, uh, yeah, I, I loved it. It's, um, you know, it was a pretty important part of my motor racing career because you learn uh, learn all the basics and, and I guess, um, you know, you carry that all the way through. And you would have been on the grid with, uh, with what, Mark Winterbottom and uh, probably uh, Courtney had already gone overseas by the time you were there. Yeah, JC had already he'd left by the time I sort of got to the, um, I guess the, the upper level of, of karting. But um, he, yeah, I didn't get to race him. But yeah, I raced Ryan Briscoe and Mark Winterbottom, Ford Umbrell, Wink Cup. So there was yeah, there's a few of us that um, we've known each other for, for quite some time now, which is pretty cool because you know racing uh, racing from go karts all the way to the elite level of um, Motorsport and supercars is, uh, you know, something that uh, is quite quite nice to have. Now, you took off overseas in go-karts as well, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough. I raced over in America, um, in Charlotte. And so it was a, there's a little go-kart track there. I don't Actually, I don't know if it's still there, but uh, this was in 1997, mind you. So uh, the circuit was in within the um, Charlotte Motor Speedway, the NASCAR track, and, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was great fun. We um lucky enough to uh, to go over and compete and uh, and then come home with uh, the first place trophy. So that was uh, a good experience. Yes, indeed. Um, and when you got onto uh, circuit racing, uh, out of the go karts into cars, your first forays were Formula Ford. It was, yeah. Okay. Who was that with? Your father prepping the car? No. So that's um, it was a karting series called the Ford Rising Stars and um, yeah we won the championship in that and uh, it gave us a, a ticket into what they had was like a shootout of four, uh, five drivers um, and uh, I can't remember everyone in it but myself, Mark and uh, a few others were in it and uh, yeah so I was lucky enough to, to get the former Ford uh, Australian Championship drive out of that, and that was with um, Spectrum. Yep. Top of my head. So um, yeah, did that for a year, and then uh, after that, uh, that's when um, I jumped into Formula Three, which uh, was was good fun, great category, and disappointing to see that um, you know sort of disappeared now. Yes, it is. The wonderful cars and, and great series, and uh, just amazing to have. Uh, hung on as long as it did. I mean, obviously, there are a bunch of people like Ian Richards and co who uh, have kept it going and going and going, but, um, yeah, sadly not. So then in about uh, 2006, I think it would have been, um, was when you first had a drive with uh, Brad Jones? Uh, yes, I... Um, that was a bit of a unfortunate one. We, um, I mean, you never... You know, I guess watching from the sidelines, Bathurst is the pinnacle, and 
Um, at the time, I was in my first season of DVS with Jim Morden in the Vicina car. And, yep. um, yeah, we, unfortunately, in the DVS race, um, there was a big accident over the top and uh, Mark Porter, as we know, obviously passed away. So uh, on uh, Friday night, Brad and Kim came past and asked if I could fill in... Um, in Mark's seat for the weekend, so I uh, did that, which uh, which was pretty pretty tough because um, you know not only were the team going through a pretty hard moment, but um, you know everyone in the category and I never knew Mark personally, but um, he uh, you know obviously had an impression on everybody that um, you know he's a good bloke and got to fill his boots for the weekend, particularly in a car that I'd never driven before was a bit tough. So um, anyhow, that was my first crack at that. How do you reflect on that uh, when you look back now? Do you look back that as a uh, unbelievable opportunity, or do you think it had a, a, a negative impact? Oh, I, I don't think it had a negative impact. I guess just you know, for myself personally, it's um, you know, there's the, the, the circumstances are never easy, so. Um, you know, you, uh, it's just out of respect for Mark and his family more than um, than anything else. Yeah, I just can't imagine it is it is very easy to 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 have to make a decision like that. The excitement of being asked, tempered by the reason you're being asked. Yeah, and look, BJR crew are absolutely brilliant, and um, you know, Brad and Kim do a great job up there in Aubrey. They've got the team down to earth and um, they were, yeah, fantastic guys to work with the weekend and, um, yeah, couldn't thank them enough. One of the things, Michael, looking at your career just in supercars is that you seem to stay places, you know, both the teams you've been with, the two major ones as a full-time driver, you've both got five years each of them. So you don't jump around a lot. You, you're obviously not just, you know, the first time someone makes you an offer or anything like that. Um, you know, Gary... Uh, Gary sort of needs loyalty, but you obviously repaid that loyalty to him. Yeah, look, uh, I guess it's probably from my upbringing, but loyalty is a um, it's a big thing for me. So um, it's important, and um, particularly you know in the two scenarios, they're both different the two the teams. But Gary started and gave me an opportunity, and um, and I've obviously wanted to repay him and. Um, you know, staying with him for, for five years was absolutely fantastic for, for so many different point of views. But, you know, from working literally on the ground floor with all the guys, um, you know, for, for a couple of years in the factory, it uh, gave me a great understanding of my car and the guys in the team. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's sort of given me a good technical understanding of our cars, which I, you know, obviously have been able to utilise um, you know, throughout my career. What were you studying before you uh, did get to full-time racing? Well, I wasn't studying anything, probably. <laughs> you know, I, I had a dream that I wanted to be, you know, a full-time driver, so I absolutely went after it with everything. So that's been um, probably sacrificing everything else outside of motor racing, and we all know that you've got to be available whenever and however to do. So I was... Um, I was doing a bit of everything, but a um, bit of landscape gardening was probably my main thing before I, I guess, got a full-time drive. How did you transition from Jim Morton's development team to Gary? Oh, look, it was a big difference. The um, Obviously, development series, uh, you know, is only a few rounds a year. 
uh, the team was run by Jim and my dad, mechanics on the car. So that was all done in Sydney. So I, you know, living at home, which was, you know, easy, obviously. And uh, when I got the call up from Gary, I had a couple of weeks to, uh, to move to Melbourne. And, um, you know, it's, it's obviously a big thing moving out of home the first time and went down to Melbourne and I haven't looked back since. So it's um, two different, completely different scenarios, but, um, you know, something that, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've enjoyed and, um, you know, I uh, you know, wouldn't change a thing that I've done. From a team where you were expected to, and uh, Gary certainly made you aware of that you were part of that team the whole time, not just the driver, and everyone had nicknames, to one where it's very large, factory-backed organisation, um, where you walk in as a driver, and, and you know, that's what you are. And now with Simona, it must be a level of professionalism, just another notch up with her there. Uh, well, I mean, the thing I liked about Gary is, like you said, where everyone's a part of the team, which is fantastic, and um, it really helped me develop, and I feel like, you know, I achieved everything I could at the time with, with the team, which was fantastic, and then obviously the opportunity to to go drive with Nissan, um, you know, was, you know, something that I really wanted to do, so, uh, yeah, and, and obviously now going... Um, what are we five years in again with um with the team is has been you know great I mean obviously they've we've had a had it a bit harder with our development curve so um you know being I guess that the differences are that the commercial side of the teams are quite a bit different given that um you know we have a a, a factory like Nissan behind us and and obviously and they're not just here in Australia so they're a global global car manufacturer that um, you know have a big influence on, um, on on the stuff that we do, and, and particularly my car being the, uh, I guess, the factory car itself. Uh, it's there's a fair bit, um, you know, more involved outside of the race car, which I, um, you know, have enjoyed, you know, you know, a lot of, and particularly like even the, you know, the camera work and, and stuff like that. So uh, had to evolve uh, quite a bit different from Gary's to Nissan, but uh, it's it's been good. And, um, you know, something that I'm really enjoying still. It was a great yeah. story there, uh, Michael, about you running the 23 car because uh, the team had asked you, what number did you want? And I think you picked number 10, if I remember rightly, because that was your karting number. And all of a sudden at the uh, 11th hour, I'm led to believe that uh, you got told, no, you're running the uh, the Nissan 23. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting story, like you said. At the time, we were sponsored uh, by Norton, and uh, and obviously they'd uh, they'd moved on out of the sport, and they gave me the opportunity to ask my you know have my number. And like um, my very first karting win was um, the go kart race in uh, in the entertainment centre, which was run by Neil Crompton, and uh, it was called the FIA Legends of Motorsport. <laughs> Funny enough, so. Uh, Dick Johnson was there and Larry Perkins. They were all driving go-karts and had pit stop challenges and things like that, which was, um, you know, as a 12-year-old, that was pretty cool to see because that's uh, they were the guys we wanted to emulate. Um, and, yeah, so I was kart number 10 and won my first race in that, so I thought, you know, what better number to, to when you get the choice to use. But, yeah, look, number 23 is the significance and... Um, I guess the, the responsibility of carrying that number is a little bit bigger. And, um, you know, it's, it's been fantastic to 
you know, to represent Nissan on uh, on a global scale. After the break, we'll be back with Michael Caruso to continue his tale of motorsport in Australia leading up to supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Supercars. Fascinating into the world of Michael Caruso and the wonderful world of Nissan Motorsport and how a very large team down Brayside Way is working their way towards becoming the very dominant team that they could become in the future. Now, I think Sandown will be your 308th race start and 140th round, so you've already rocked up a fair history in the sport. You must be looking forward to climbing in with Dean again. Yes, uh it's a great time of the year. Endurance races are, I guess, the the pinnacle. And um, you know, starting off at Sandown, um, you know, we all know the history that the Sandown 500 has. So to go there, we're, we're pretty excited. We've got a retro livery, um, you know, of the 1990 uh, R32 GDR Calsonic Nissan, which is pretty cool to have. So yep. um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm very excited to. I guess to, to be able to have that. So, um, and obviously Dean, he's been now. He's going to. This is going to be his fourth year with me. So we know each other quite well outside of the car. We get along well. He's obviously a very good driver, and uh, you know we've had success before together. So hopefully this year we can. Um, you know we can have it again. He'll be at your test day this Wednesday coming at Winton. Is that correct? Yeah, look, he's um, he's actually. I just got off the phone to him not long ago, so he's uh, he's landed from Perth, so he's he's got a bit of a flight over, and um, he's raring to go. So he's we're going to be um, setting up the day before and just doing driver training practice and, and things like that, sort of getting ourselves ready for the day. And yeah, it's a big test day ahead for us. Obviously, we're aware that we lost one test day, which is you know I guess hurt our on track performance this year, but. Um, I'm looking forward to, to getting a test at Winton to hopefully get some more speed out of our car. I'm looking out my window. I'm 200 kilometres from uh, Winton, uh, Michael, and um, it's snowing pretty heavily here. So pack your wardrobe well, all right? Well, I mean, Winton in Winton in most cases is at least beanie weather. So yeah. <laughs> it might be it's double beanie weather. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because the guys are testing uh, the day. There's a, a few few cars testing the day before, so potentially could get rained out either, you know, one of the two days, so it might be, uh, you know, 20 cars running around on the same day. All right. Now, today you were down at Phillip Island on the Dunlop 2018 development test. Is that yeah, correct? Yes, uh, it was. It was, uh, look, we're, we're really lucky the weather, as we just said, has been really, um, hasn't been favourable um, for the past week in Melbourne or in Victoria, so... Uh, we we got some running, which is um, you know really good to do, and and you know gaining that data and 
they're um, they're no doubt going to go over it and, and and make some decisions. I'm sure. Did they require okay. the team to really go extreme on the on the setup at all, Michael? Did they they go as far as they possibly could think on Canvas to to really you know almost uh, explosive test the tyre? Uh, no, look, I think they they they've obviously understood that they have had to uh, evolve tyre for for the car, and um, uh, you know my understanding is we you know or my job was for the day was to just drive the car as I would or as I would uh, or as I did at the race meeting there early in the year. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, faultless day, no dramas, which was good to see. And, um, yeah, let's uh, let's just see what it comes out, comes out of it and I'm sure uh, they'll do a great job. Did the tyre feel better, worse or indifferent? Uh, well, there, there was obviously different different tyres, so um, it's, it's hard to know because, yeah, I'm not a... a well, we're not across exactly what tyres that um, you know they're going to go with or what they'd like to go with. So, it's sort of a fair few variables there. And this year, you've um, had some up and down meetings from one to another. Not you know constantly up and down, but not been as uh, as successful as I expected you would. Yeah, look, it's, um, it definitely hasn't, and, and I guess there's a few things that play into that. Uh, obviously, the tyre the tyre change. Um, has affected us a bit, but um, as I said a bit earlier, we unfortunately lost the test day, um, which, you know, when you're, I guess, not having um, having a, a car that's handling, uh, you know, in a similar manner to how it was, say, last year, um, we were, I guess it's really, uh, it really has hurt us missing that test day, or well, I know particularly for my car it has. So um, a few, well, probably after Winton, we made a pretty serious decision that, uh, you know, we would have to start testing at race meetings and um, ultimately we, like you said, been going up and down, up and down and um, haven't really seen a consistent weekend up until the last one, which was at Eastern Creek. So um, it was good to to sort of be back towards the front. I mean, running in the top six uh, for both days was was great and um, hopefully now the hard work and the, uh, you know, the crappy results that we've had to drive through um, are paying off for a, a better finish of the year. Do you, when you have to test during the year like that and turn race weekends into test days, is it then all about Sandown and Bathurst? Is that what your goal your goal and shooting for? Or is it actually for 2018? Well, I mean, potentially 2018 could be a different tyre again. So, um, yeah, I mean... For me, it's, uh, it's every race meeting we go to, I want to give my absolute most and, and do the best job I possibly can. But um, like I said, the, the past far Eastern Creek, we've um, unfortunately had to sacrifice our race results uh, in the benefit of understanding and testing. So um, unfortunately, those stories never really get told. So you've just got to do the best you can with what you've got. And, um, you know, I'm really... I'm really happy with what we've, what we've, you know, progressed through, particularly in the circumstances and the way other teams have, uh, I guess, been able to use their test days to utilise and move forward. So for us to be able to do it without a test day, um, I'm really, I am proud of, um, you know, what we're doing. Now, Michael, uh, Sydney became a bit of a uh, bumper car, dodgem car event. What was your take on the way the stewards managed the penalties and and 
they approached the whole uh, the whole um, the whole situation. Were you satisfied with it? What was your what was your take on that? And uh, is that something you'd like to see roll out for the rest of the uh, year and on into the future? Uh, I was quite lucky. I mean, for us, we didn't get involved in any accidents, which was great. So are you referring to, I'm, I'm guessing you're referring to the Bangisberg and McLaughlin incident? Yeah, but mostly, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it had it been me, I, I, I guess from the first look at it when I saw it, I was surprised that they probably just didn't do a drive-through penalty straight away. Um, I mean, yeah, when you're in the race for the lead, it's it's and someone gets turned around. Um, I mean, we saw even myself and Scott. I got a drive-through penalty on the spot for Queensland Raceway a few years ago. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. And then obviously overnight they changed their mind again. Um, I, I think you know, much like what I'd like to see is, I guess, decisions being made and then stuck by because. Um, you know, I'm a sporting fan. Other, you know, other sports I enjoy watching, and no matter what the decision, good, right, or wrong, you know, you got you got to live by them. So I don't think we need to be changing results overnight. I think that that doesn't make anybody look good. So I'm sure they've probably taken that into account, and hopefully going forward they'll um, they'll learn from that. One of the things that stands out in your success results. Um, is that uh, your two wins uh, in two different cars and two different teams has come at the same track. What is it about Hidden Valley that the Caruso formula works uh, so well? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's, it's funny that. it's um, We can't really... I don't know what to put it down to, but, um, yeah, look, things, obviously, on those two occasions have worked really well for us and... Um, able to get the most out of the car. And look, the way the sport is at the moment, um, we've, we've clearly seen there's one team who um, have, without doubt, the best package. And they've overtaken the, the one team that's probably dominated for over a decade now. So um, outside of that, it is extremely tight in the field in terms of um, time um, between each other's cars. So you look further back from Triple Eight and maybe after FPR, um, anywhere from you know six or seven backwards to maybe eighteen, there's nothing in it. So yeah. uh, you you know to get a card working you know better than anybody else's at the moment, it's um, it's you know you could still only be in the top five. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, you are a factory Nissan driver and a Nissan ambassador, and one of the things that I think uh, you've probably enjoyed as, as much as anything else is uh, Nissan are not afraid to get involved in events worldwide and have you participate. What has been some of the great jaunts that Nissan have taken you on? Uh, well, I've, I've been fortunate enough to do a few different things. Um, and like you said, Nissan, being a global company, they've got a few different events that they get involved with. And, and it's the one thing I have really... Uh, or one thing that's been extremely beneficial, not just for me um, as a driver, but I think for our sport, is, is the way Nissan use motor racing to, um, I guess, have leverage between their different, you know, sports or uh, marketing 
arrangements. Uh, I mean, we've seen, uh, I've been lucky enough to go to the Champions League final in soccer for the past two years, which has uh, been over in Europe. And um, even we went to the Nismo Festival in Japan at Fuji. So, um, you know, in terms of international events, they've, we've really, uh, you know, Nissan have done a great job sort of utilising what we do here. I mean, even, like I said, with our Cow Sonic car for this weekend, um, you know, they they seem to do the best job that, I, and, and no disregard to anyone else in our category, but I feel like they consistently, you know, have the, um, you know, the bar high in terms of, uh, you know, where they like to see their marketing campaign for, for the category. And um, they spend a lot of money. I mean, they're going to have, I think, over 1,200 people out at uh, Sandown over the weekend from Nissan. So they invest a lot of money in our category. And, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, that's something that we're all fortunate to have. Well, Michael, it's no coincidence that you're in one of those four Nissans competing. You present very professionally, and uh, I'm sure that Nissan uh, are very happy that they have you in one of their cars, particularly one of their hero cars in uh, being their prime number of 23. <laughs> Look forward to catching up with you at Sandown, uh, Michael and, uh, and Dean. Uh, it, it's a terrific combination. A lot of respect to Dean and the way he can get in each year and so quickly get up to speed. Must be terrific for you. Oh, look, he's a, he's a property developer by week and <laughs> race car driver on the weekend. So he, he does. He does a great job. Uh, he's very focused and uh, and I like his commitment. So um, those those things are important to me and, and that loyalty as well, as you said earlier. He, I mean, four years together, um, it just all works really well. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it this year and uh, hopefully we can you know, do a great job for uh, everybody. I just wanted to ask, uh, you, you were talking earlier about the uh, loyalty of Nissan. Richard Emery moving on. I, I, I think it would be remiss if I didn't ask you about Richard and how, you know, he, he, he's a mad race fan, but he, obviously his passion transferred through the whole company in Australia. Yeah, oh, Richard was uh, absolutely fantastic for, for Nissan, uh, not in just motorsport, but he... He, he did a great job for, for them, and, and look, it's a, it's quite a normal um, scenario to see CEOs change over every three and a half, four years, and, and that's exactly where where Richard was at. So, um, yeah, he did a brilliant job, fantastic guy. Um, he obviously utilised motor racing in Australia. I mean, he he was behind the whole 12-hour staff and, and obviously um, a big supporter of our program in supercars, so... Uh, yeah, it's uh, really good guy, and um, he did everybody proud. Michael, like yourself, I uh, spent a time committed to the Nissan brand. Mine was when I was trying to convince people working on the advertising to go and test drive a 120Y. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because you should. So, <laughs> thank you for being on Inside Supercars this week. It's been wonderful. As we said, look forward to catching up with you. And we won't wish you luck because uh, you'll bring your own and we look forward to seeing more success for Nissan 
the Kelly Racing Team and Nismo in Australia. Thanks, Michael, for this week's show. No, thank you very much, guys. Great to talk with you, and uh, I'll see you at the racetrack soon. And I guess, uh, uh, Tony, as as Michael leaves us now, uh, one thing he loves about the uh, livery, it looks more and more like that Italian national football jumper than any other car he's ever raced. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't it? Thanks, guys. Great to chat with you. And after the break, we'll be back with our final thoughts for this week's Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every every year I see Jackie Stewart at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself... Of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Craig, listen to... Uh... The thoughts of uh, the Enduros, the Nissan, all the rest of the teams, the testing that's going on. The one thing I reflect on is that while it's uh, it's sad in some ways we don't get the internationals because of the the size and the length of the Perseg Cup being three events, difficult to get the guys down here. I reflect back on that time when we did have the internationals, when it was compulsory, in fact, that service gave us. Everyone had to have an international. It was a wonderful era, and as a motorsport journalist, it was great to be able to talk to those guys when they came out here to drive. Wonderful, wonderful time. But the thing we need to reflect on is that now we have a very experienced field, both young and old drivers. And it should be a wonderful Enduro Cup. I'm looking forward to when it kicks off at Sandown and getting back to the track and being able to talk directly with these people. It should be a wonderful time. Look forward to it. Yep. Yours, Craig? My final thought is the Australian Karting Championships wrapped up last weekend at Todd Road in Melbourne. And I just wonder how many of the names that we saw, like Ryan Tomset and James Sarah and uh, Josh Fife from Canberra, how many of those guys we're going to see potentially into supercars in the future. Of course, we heard about Michael's own karting career. Uh, Chaz Mostert had won two uh, Australian titles as a junior. James Courtney was a multiple world champion. This is where these guys all, these supercar drivers all start. How many of the names we saw on the 2017 championship honour board will we see eventually in supercar racing? Um, it will be interesting to watch their development over the years. It's one of the things that both you and I look forward to, signing those young drivers coming into the series, whether it be through Formula 3, Formula 4, coming through the development series, the Kino series. It's, uh, it's all a fascinating thing to meet these young drivers as they aspire to make a career, not just in Australia, but overseas as well. So that's all ahead for us. Craig, for me, it's goodbye. And good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.